Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. There's a new wave of cannabis regulations taking hold in the days ahead, one year after the legalization of recreational cannabis. Now, we've been discussing and following the business very carefully here at BIV and holding several public events to look at the challenges and the successes as the sector has emerged in large measure in this country. Earlier this month, I talked to four experts in a panel discussion on Cannabis 2.0, the first year of legalization, a bit of a review of that, and the tasks ahead as edibles and other products arrive. Our discussion featured four panelists, Peter Guo, the BC leader for MNP's Cannabis Industry Services and Enterprise Risk Services, Brandon Wright, the CEO of Dynaleo, which is going to be Canada's largest manufacturer of cannabis gummies. Chantal Popoff, the COO of Valens Growworks Corporation, and James Monroe, the co-chair of Cannabis Practice Group at Macmillan LLP. This is the second part of our discussion. So we uh, we remember, I guess, the movie Reefer Madness and how hysterical it was, uh, but how it actually bred also some hysteria. Um, today's issue, I think, that is uh, starting to reach that hysteria mode is vaping. And I want to get some thoughts from all four of you about, first of all, how serious you believe the reputational issue is for uh, for manufacturers, uh, how concerned you are about the science that you're so uh, you're ingesting now, and is there anything that we can do in the short term, James? So just to be clear, that movie was way before my time. I don't know about you. <laughs> Statistics matter here. Thanks. Uh, Next person. <laughs> <laughs> Statistics matter here, and you know. When we're taking a look at critical masses, we have to look south of the border. Here are the statistics in the States. A thousand people have vaping reported illnesses, serious vaping reported illnesses. Uh, 23 people have died from vaping reported illnesses. Now where the distinction isn't clear is, is this cannabis related or is this nicotine and vape pen with, uh, with, with essentially e-cigarette related? Looking to our side of the border, there's clearly something different happening here. There's been two reported cases altogether in Canada. Of those two cases, zero of them are cannabis-related. Both of them are e-cigarette-related. So with that backdrop, we should take a look between you know, what's happening in the e-cigarette market and what's happening in the cannabis market. No doubt you've taken a look at a, a, a local newspaper. I haven't seen it in BIV, but there's been other uh, big newspapers that have full-page glossy ads on, on e-cigarettes. Why? The, the rules, quite simply, are different. Uh, you'll, you simply will not see those same types of advertising for cannabis. Um, my view is, is, is vaping is going to be quite popular. People don't like the smell of, of cannabis, but with vaping, uh, it is going to be quite appealing. Now, going back to the different pillars that we talked about, number one pillar, don't advertise to kids. Don't sell your, your, your products to kids. Those same rules don't apply for e-cigarettes. Uh, we're seeing those e-cigarettes in convenience stores. We're seeing their... Uh, uh, advertising in magazines and newspapers. And again, you simply will not see that in cannabis. And in fact, the flavors that they use literally cannot be uh, like traditional flavors. It has to be something like yummy, tasty flowers. I mean, it, it, that's exactly the point. I mean, if you don't want to market to kids, don't make your product taste like bubblegum. So we have to set a difference between what's happening on, on the e-cigarette side and what's happening on the cannabis side. And we're serious on the cannabis side of making this uh, a product that will be able to roll out throughout the world. Then we better be serious about how we treat our kids and, and product safety. And on that, I think we will, we will exceed. 
Chantel, is there any danger at all that this, that this industry is going to be stopped dead in its tracks because of what manifests when you get any kind of an episode and particularly some of the political fallout from it? I think it's all how you manage it, to be honest. I think, you know, it's, it's certainly, it's out there. It's, it's, you know, PR firms are grabbing it by the horns and running with it. But the reality is Health Canada has testing um, limitations and regulation in place for a reason. Health Canada mandates that all final products are tested for contaminants, including heavy metals, which heavy metals is one of the issues that people are worried about because there has been leaching of heavy metals into vape cartridges. What a lot of people don't know is that some of the top vape cartridge manufacturers now are actually going going through the process proactively. They haven't been demanded to do this. They're proactively doing studies and tests to ensure that there isn't leaching of heavy metals into their products. On another flip side of that, it's a lot of, I think, the risk and and a lot of the issue with this, and I haven't dove into a lot of the cases probably like you have, James, but a lot of the issue is synthetic additions, synthetic flavors, synthetic terpenes. Um, I know one of the things that we focus on is only using cannabis-derived products in the vape cartridges. So if that oil doesn't come from the cannabis plant or if we haven't pulled those terpenes directly from the cannabis plant in their all-natural state, it never goes into that vape cartridge. And that's a big thing. And, And just for Cannabis 101, terpenes are actually the flavor profile that come off of cannabis. So just like you can buy lavender oil or orange oil or lemon essential oil in the store, those are actually terpenes. It's just a, the flavor. So different cannabis plants have different flavorings and that's what essentially gives the natural flavor to an actual vape cartridge itself. So if there are further episodes though, can you win the battle, do you think, for public opinion in the court of public opinion, which often matters almost as much as anything else? I think at the end of the day, again, the the onus is on the processor to do their due diligence and do it right. If you know that you haven't put anything into those vape cartridges that isn't an approved product or that isn't cannabis-derived, if you know that you've gone through all of the testing and the laboratory has validated methods on testing for heavy metals, pesticides, etc., if you know that the product that you're sourcing, that dried flour that goes in to that oil, um, is free of pesticides, free of contaminants, free of aflatoxins, free of microbials, all of those things, you should have a clean product. Then you in your right mind have done everything that by law you were required to do and everything that a responsible person in a similar situation would have done. Brandon? I'm just happy that for the first time the big, the big controversy isn't about kids and gummy bears. Peter? Well, it, in, you know, actually, as I listen to this and some of my colleagues are like, oh my God, he's going to geek out on science. Uh, but I am. Um, here's the issue with vape pens. And this is where this industry is being sideswiped right now. And, and James alluded to it. Vape is vape. And the reality of you understand it, it's not. When you take a Pax vape versus a Jewel pen, they're different. And even within Pax, there's different ones. So somebody who takes a flower, grinds it up, puts it in a, Vax, a Pax vaporizer, that's a whole different... There's no solvents in that, Right? Whereas you take a cartridge, whatever's in there, there's a solvent. If you think about solvents, and you, we can all, you can all do this experiment at home, go home, take a drop of dishwashing detergent, drop it in oily, greasy dishwater. What happens? Or watch a Dawn commercial, right? You know, washing little ducklings from oil spills. Well, the reality of that greasiness is that's what's inside your lungs. It's what lines your alveoli. Forgive me for those fellow life science graduates in here. I'm going to take you through a physiology 101 conversation. Yeah, we've, His we've, wife's a doctor. We have a bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. But the issue here is if you understand that, then the vape cartridges, to James's point, 
is a lot of it is all the additional ingredients which are, frankly, solvents. When I say the word solvent, how many of you would want a solvent in your body? Arguably, there's natural solvents, and like begets like. Like dissolves like, and that's the issue with a lot of these vapes. That's what people don't understand. So the issue for the cannabis industry right now with vapes is vape is vape. It's all bad. That's the problem. Now, how do you pick winners and losers? Like, let's just step away from vape as a conversation in product formats. Product formats, the trust involved in that, the flavor profiles, the consumer demands, we've all talked about that. If you look at what Brandon's trying to build versus what a vape manufacturer is trying to build, and you're sitting there kind of going, I'm going to invest my portfolio or you're an institutional investor, what should you do? What do they always say? Trust is gained inches per year but lost in miles per second, right? So if you're going to make that decision, where are you going to go? Which really, at the end of the day, Kirk, is I think the next iteration of this industry, and I've called it Cannabis 3.0, and there's really only three points that matter here. It isn't the product formats. It isn't chocolates versus baked goods. It's can you execute consistently and excellent in an excellent fashion, supply chain, manufacturing, and everything. But are we are we as an industry here structured? Some are properly. Some are. Some aren't. Right. Yeah. So if you can't execute consistently, you're going to get wiped out really quickly. In this next iteration of consumer packaged goods, if you can't consistently deliver your cookies to wherever that supply chain pull, you're done. It's because somebody else will do it. The other two things, and Chantel's alluded to it, is compliance. Compliance is the starting point. It's the do not pass go, do not collect 200 bucks. If you can't have consistent compliance, whatever the standards, and there's more and more standards, it's not just Health Canada, but there's more and more standards, do not pass go. You're not going to get there. Do you expect there'll be more companies like Canada Trust that wind themselves out of business. And, and the, the problem with the CanTrust thing, and you saw that in Bloomberg last, last week saying, oh, the revenues are going to be you know, a third of what we predicted and profit's going to be half of what we predicted. That's a little bit of the CanTrust effect. If you look at today, the headlines where Sundial came out and LP in Alberta said, actually, that lawsuit is frivolous and here are the facts. Some of that is sideswiped. They IPO'd at 13. They're trading at 4. That's the trust issue. And so that really brings me to my last point. It's about governance, right? So a lot of these companies, and I look at Valens, and I, look, I know who some of their board members. In fact, some of them I've worked with 25 years ago in venture capital in Toronto. Like, if you don't have people with that maturity and that behavioral capability, walking in your boardrooms, walking in your executive suites, making sure that the bros on the floor aren't going close enough is close enough, that's what's going to erode and destroy you. It doesn't matter what product format. It doesn't matter if you're an extractor, a gummy, a baked goods manufacturer. That's what's going to kill the next iteration of the yeah. industry. And that's, this is actually a good point, I think, to get some closing remarks from uh, the other three as well around what 3.0 needs to look like. And then I think we can get some uh, questions from the crowd. So. I just want to quickly pick on, uh, on what Peter's talking about on execution as well. Strategy is a huge component of execution, and what we've seen in this industry so far is a lot of people who take a shotgun and go, hey, there's my strategy, look at the spread on the wall. And it's the ones who are really focused and doing well in certain business units that are going to succeed here. Because I don't think we're just going to see uh, in vertical integration and, and other companies buying up other ones for the assets. I think we're going to see complete disintegration. There's a lot of people out there who realize, hey, we can grow weed, but it's not good enough, and nobody wants to buy it. Hey, we can, we can do some extraction, but 
everyone, but if you don't have a specific uh, a long-term strategy for how you're actually going to get that to market and who you're going to serve in that, you're going to be wiped out as well. Can so you see a, a particular couple of niches that you, you now can see Canada will excel at from your, your vantage point? I believe, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want Brandon and Chantelle to jump in here. I believe in CHPs, cannabis health products, that sort of nutraceuticals. And if you don't understand this, next time you're in Costco, as you go through, and we all do the loop, as you go through and you're at that place where you can grab granola bars and everything on the left, and on the right it's all the healthcare stuff, what, are, what do you see skids and skids and skids of? It's all chewable vitamins. It's all the stuff, you know, chondroitin, you know, glucosamine, blah, 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 blah. That, I believe, fits in that pharma consumer package good space. It's regulated but not regulated enough. And it's right now, if you go CBD, you can do a lot. I was just going to say, I th the, the big gateway to that is going to be essentially the um, pulling back of, of the limitations of CBD regulation. So CBD, we haven't talked about it much today here, but, but CBD, there's so many medicinal benefits to CBD that, that people still don't know. I mean, you know, to Brandon's point, there's, there's so many cannabinoids in your, it, you know, in the plant and your, your endocannabinoid system. I mean, when you look at CBD itself, I think one that opens up not only the number of products um, that are going to be on market, but two, I think that completely bridges CPG with essentially pharma slash FDA slash NPNs. Um, and three, I think it opens up an entirely different sector of the market. Um, those folks that are, you know, 55 and older that are starting to you know, fight with arthritis and, and, you know, starting to fight with endometriosis and all of these other different um, conditions that they don't want to take traditional medication for, CBD is a perfect option for them to look at. And I think the more CPG essentially, or CBD, pardon me, is a good option. And the more CPG blends in essentially with and, and sort of bridges across um, into that, that sector, more and more people are going to be willing to try it and more and more people are going to benefit from it as well. So right now, the way that the provinces are doing their product calls for more product is, is they say, does your product fit into a good, better, or best category? They haven't even barely considered the idea that CHP, which is what we're kind of talking about here, is a regulation coming next year that's cannabis health product. It's a health product that has, is sold with specifically CBD in it or cannabis in it. Um, this is going to blow the doors off this thing. It's, it's going to uh, allow access to a whole multitude of new products with, that contain CBD. It's, in, in our opinion, like it's many different products that can contain it, um, it as, as if it were calcium or, or, or phosphorus. Or right, and it kind of commonizes the product, right? It, it takes a little bit of the mystique out of it and brings it into something that well, you Kirk, might call Well, Kirk, then your friend, when he or she wakes up and says, what part of my body doesn't hurt, they already know what they should be taking. Or your friend's friend's friend. Well, I just want you to know that there's only one person I hear who waking up, okay? That's my wife. Uh, so, you, I, I don't know what you were implying there, but uh, James, <laughs> kind of make us serious here for a second. Um, well, that's where Cannabis 3.0 is going. I mean, we started at the very beginning, training wheels. Uh, a very, very limited amount of cannabis is able to be sold. Cannabis 2.0, where we're moving into, it's, it's a wider array, expanding the party. Cannabis 3.0, I completely agree, that is Canada's competitive advantage. That is when Canadian cannabis companies start going head-on against pharmaceutical companies and start offering a wide array of, uh, of goods where they can actually start to make claims. And it's important to be able to have the, the science to back that so you can actually start making uh, product claims. 
Uh, and you're going to start seeing a lot of products out there with these. Uh, products that uh, will help you rest or relax or rejuvenate. All of these things are coming, and, and that is exactly uh, Canada's competitive advantage. Yeah, you think cannabis isn't going to overlap with other industries? How big is the aspirin market? Well, you even you look at hemp products right now. I mean, they're the average the average outdoor grown hemp plant has like 0.4 to 0.5 percent CBD concentration. Just imagine when we have hemp protein or we have a hemp lotion on the market that was essentially made from five or six percent CBD content going in. I mean, you know, it'll take you two days instead of two months essentially to feel the benefits on a sore, achy muscle. But how far away is that world? Is that two I th- years? I think it's right around the corner. Yeah. yeah, based on what's happening in California and based on what's happening in Oregon and Washington, I think it's right around the corner. Yeah, but I think, Kurt, your question is when will we see it as a Canadian on a legit retail shelf? Mm-hmm. And I think some of those, especially if they're topicals and cells, I, I think January and February. Wow, right? okay. Yeah, because October 17th is legalization of 2.0, yep. Yep. and then 60 days out is what Health Canada is saying. They, they want that period to figure out what people are going to put on on shelves and product formats. Are there any signals at all that you've inferred as a result of this election campaign where we really haven't had any kind of discussion about cannabis at all? Is there anything that you're inferring from the two principal parties that might either accelerate or, or slow the pace of any of this? On the, on the slowing down, I don't actually at all. And, and the, the reason for that is simple. It's jobs. If we actually take a look at the cannabis jobs in Canada, we had about 9,000 jobs just strictly in growing. And now there's a whole bunch of people, like old people on stage, that actually are related to the cannabis industry as well. It is a very, very broad industry. It's just industry. people old. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the that the, the point is there's a massive amount of jobs in the cannabis industry, and if, if a conservative government gets elected, I don't see them pulling it back one bit. Yeah, I haven't heard one word. No, Maroney's on a board of a weed company, right? Like, so that's like conservative royalty. You're not going to pull the rug under him. In terms of Cannabis 3.0 as well, I think what we're going to see is real specialization. We're going to see a lot more companies coming in and saying, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to do it really well. Right now, we started by seeing everyone with this big potential and dreams in their eyes, and suddenly we're starting to realize that the giant companies who thought they were going to do everything suddenly aren't good at everything, and so they're not going to try and do it anymore, and they're going to leave it up to the smaller, uh, smaller folks, and I say smaller, when, even though we're still relatively big in this industry, like ourselves and Chantel will be one of the biggest gummy suppliers in Canada, and they'll be one of the biggest oil suppliers, and still worse, um, by uh, an order of magnitude smaller than some of the largest market caps out there. But at the same time, there's going to be more of us than there is of them eventually, and we're going to see a lot more specialization of people doing what they do really well, and products coming out that are incredible. Chantel, I'll give you the last word, and then we'll take some questions from the floor. You bet. I think with specialization also comes consolidation. Consolidation is always, it goes hand in hand with specialization. Those who do well are going to do well, and those who don't essentially will, there'll be consolidation, especially on the cultivation side. And I think we've seen it in every single industry, and as fast as cannabis has moved, I think it's just instead of taking 20, 30, 40 years, it'll take 10. And we'll, we'll have the big giants, we'll have the Walmarts and the Loblaws of the world, and then we'll have everybody else. But in general, the big companies might splinter and the small companies might consolidate. Just as any industry. Exactly. Thanks a lot for listening today to BIB Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. We'll see you next time.